This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullen. Today's guest is Janelle Wood. She is a friend and fellow podcaster over on Finding Something Real. She is also a foreign exchange student host and coordinator. While Janelle grew up in a Christian home, she found herself wondering if God could really love her just as she was. Because in every area of her life, she was striving to be the best to earn love and acceptance. Today, she shares how that journey led her to begin hosting foreign exchange students, launching Finding Something Real podcast and how the two are interwoven. If you're new here, I want to invite you to a free resource I have available. Eight books that were influential in ways that surprised me. The list covers a variety of topics, including prayer, spiritual health and formation, spiritual warfare, and more. It includes various genres, fiction, nonfiction, and memoirs. You can download the list for free at graceenoughpodcast.com slash books. Janelle Wood, welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. Yay, I'm so glad to be here, Amber. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. I, I know people who listen get so tired of hearing me say things like, I love it when it's someone I know on the show. <laughs> Because it's different. I don't know. It's a little bit more relaxed and it feels a little more personal. So mm -hmm. I'm excited to have this conversation. Me too. I've enjoyed getting to know you online. That's right. Um, and we've had, you know, quite a few conversations over social media and Zoom and everything. So one of these days we're actually going to meet in person. We will. And we already know each other. So it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, it will be. I mean, because I've met a few of these people and I'm like, oh my goodness, I do feel like I really know you because no. we've had so many conversations. But with that said, I always start out by asking my guests a little bit about their early faith journey with Jesus. And so how did you come to know him? What did that early faith walk look like? Well, I'm really grateful. My parents uh, both wanted to serve the Lord with their life. And my mom had come to faith when she was 16 years old from a pretty traumatic childhood mm. and upbringing. And so she was very passionate about her faith. My dad worked most weekends and my mom would take us to church all the time. I have very strong memories of you know, cleaning the church, going to the things on Wednesday night. My dad and my mom were both leaders there with the youth um, and the kids programs. And, you know, if there was a revival, we were there. <laughs> it was all the things. And my mom, she was just very faithful. Um, most mornings she would be up early. I'd wake up, I'd go out um, and she'd have her cup of coffee, her cherry robe on and her Bible. And I would just go sit with her and it was so comforting and beautiful. And I wanted what she had. So when I was about 
three years old, I started asking Jesus into my heart. And I would say that I started because I would say between the ages of three to <laughs> maybe seven, I asked him into my life a lot uh, because I just wanted to make sure that it stuck, you know? Yeah. And one thing about my faith journey, and I know we're going to talk about that here in a moment, but there was never a time in my life where I did not either want Jesus mm-hmm. or where I didn't want to share about him with others because mm-hmm. I saw what the real thing looked like. Um, wow. I saw it in my mom. I saw it um, in my youth leaders when I started to get a little older. I saw it in the youth ahead of me who were worshiping God freely. And I thought, I want that. I want mm. that. Wow. That really is a gift. Because I think sometimes people will say they grew up in Christian families, but maybe they didn't necessarily see the personal aspects of it uh, lived out before them. And so the reality is that it wasn't that you said, okay, yes, I'm in, (laughs) I'm all in and I'll never ask questions or, um, that was probably your hope yet somewhere along the way, you did start asking questions and started wondering like, is this really what I believe? Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that part of your story and just what was that season like? Well, it was a real journey, like every faith Mm -hmm. journey is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as much as I appreciate how I was raised, our family of origin was pretty messy. Come from a home where I had two older half sisters uh, that were in and out of my life. Mm. And so at the time, I didn't have the framework to kind of understand that they were dealing with their own trauma or their own Mm -hmm. things. What I felt was not good enough, not lovable Mm. enough for them to be uh, consistent in my life or to not accept me. And so, um, that played out in my life by me always trying to be good enough. And that was part of my faith. It was very legalistic. Um, I would have never described it that way. You know, Amber, I was constantly doing the things, reading the Bible verses, doing everything I possibly could to be enough really. And then underneath all of that, I had this very rich fantasy life, very rich. Um, I would write stories. I always thought I was going to be a famous author one day because I just loved creating stories. But in my mind, I had a story for my life. And that story was, I'm going to move to the East Coast. I'm going to be involved Mm -hmm. in the city. I am going to maybe one day have four kids and they'll come home and visit me. I never imagined actually raising those four kids. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I, above all, I'm going to marry a rich, handsome, good-looking, Cary Grant-esque kind of man who's going to sweep me off my feet and fulfill all my romantic desires. And so I remember- (laughs) That happened, right? (laughs) At church, yeah. At church when I was seven years old, falling in love with this young guy, Derek. Poor Derek, he never knew. And then it was Cliff. (laughs) And then it was this guy. And then this guy. I mean, I had it in my mind, all of these different things. And so I love Jesus- But I also was trying to fill this void, this rejection hole that I didn't know how to fill with the Lord. And so I was looking for something tangible, somebody to come and wrap me up in their arms and say, I love you and I accept you for who you are. And so by the time I was 16, you know, I loved the Lord. I was really involved in student leadership. I had a youth pastor and his wife and his team that were, again, displaying the real thing. And it was incredible. Um, But inside, I had questions that I didn't even know how to express. And I think looking back now, I would say the question was, can Jesus love me as I am? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And can he actually reach into this rejected person who feels like collateral damage and a throwaway person? And um, instead of pushing into that, which to be honest, I tried, you know, I tried mm-hmm. to push into my Christianity, but here comes a guy from youth group and he was my friend and we started dating and all of a sudden he becomes like a God in my life. Right. And he starts questioning his faith. And we went back and forth in relationship uh, for about three years. And over that course of time, he really wasn't sure about his faith anymore. That was the first time in my life I started like questioning my faith a little bit, just like mm-hmm. looking up Darwin's black box. I, I bought that book. I don't, I think I gave it to him. I never read it myself. <laughs> I, I know, I know that Jesus is good, right? In my mind. Um, and yet at the same time, dealing with the question of who is God of my life and coming to a point that was very real of saying, God, I love you, but I love this guy more. I know this isn't right. I know he's not walking with you, but I choose him. Mm-hmm. And um, God in his mercy, Amber, I think some of us who've been walking with the Lord um, and many of us have a moment like this where God just reaches in and grabs us and we don't know why he did except by his mercy and his love. Yep. Because I would have chosen that. I would have chosen the guy. I would have chosen a life that walked away from Jesus and he reached out and he grabbed me and he saved me from my own sin and my own self, you know, like destruction. And I ended up in this broken heap of like, what do I do now? And again, mm-hmm. feeling rejected mm-hmm. and coming back to the Lord and being like, okay, I'm, I come back to you and, and still in that framework of my mind of, okay, I'm going to be good enough. I meet my husband, we get married, you know, and we start trying to have a family and suddenly um, I'm faced with miscarriage and loss Mm. and I'm thinking, okay, God, I've been good, good for you. You know, I've been, I've been doing all the things I've been doing all the things and um, coming to the point. um, So we have spoiler alert, we have four kids now, (laughs) but uh, we had our oldest, our son, Caleb, and then we had three more early miscarriages after him. And it was somewhere in there that I just turned to my husband. And I said, how do you even know this is all real? Mm-hmm. Like here in my mind, and I, I don't think I would have articulated it at this, this way back then. But looking back, I was thinking, I've done everything for you, God. Why, why can't you give me what I want? I promise I'll give these kids to you. I promise mm-hmm. I'll do enough, you know? And it was so much of this climbing of a ladder that God never asked me to climb. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was, um, you know, in that place where my husband's like talking to me about apologetics and, you know, I was not, I didn't even know what the term apologetics meant at the time, but <laughs> some reasons for faith, some actual logical reasons. My husband was a science teacher for 12 years. And I just thought, you know what, when I look outside, I can see that there's a God. I know mm-hmm. that there is. Um, for me, that was not a question. Do I know that it's Jesus? started listening to some different things, some different podcasts and different materials and different, you know, pushing into those questions. But for me, um, what it really came down to was surrender and going, God, I'll go with you either way. I think that you're good either way. Mm-hmm. And I know you love Beth more too, Amber, and uh, the <laughs> more do. Bible study, believing God changed my life. I would say that was one thing that was instrumental in that time of my late twenties of just going, okay, do I actually believe God is good? No matter what, you know, no matter whether I get another baby or not, you know? And when we got pregnant with our our second child, our our daughter, Naomi, 
we'd gone, we'd prayed. It was like this miraculous thing. Suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm not, we know how it happened, but you know, like I'm pregnant <laughs> and, yeah, then yeah. Thing. and then I start bleeding and I thought, okay, God, I'm blaming you either way. I'm going with you either way. That was a breakthrough for, for my faith journey. Mm. Um, coming to this point where I just, I want to be all in either way, yeah. um, no matter what you give me. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things that we could unpack in there, but that's, that's kind of, I hope that answers your question. It does. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the takeaways when I listen to people who say very similar things to what you're saying is I, I went through suffering and I began to ask a lot of questions. It seems like what people come down to, and I know this is true in my life, is I'm choosing to believe what you say in your word is true. Mm -hmm. And I've got to keep choosing to believe that even if right now I'm still asking questions. Mm -hmm. And it's like Peter, right? Like, where else would I go? Um, and I've, I've said that so many times, like, Lord, honestly, I want to run for the hills right now. I am so done with all of it, but where else would I go? Mm -hmm. And you know, that can feel like a, um, that, that can kind of go one of two ways, but for a lot of us who have faith in Christ, it is you're worth clinging on to even in my uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think something that really shifted for me was believing that God is who he says he is and that he loves me mm -hmm. as I am, that there's no way I could ever be good enough. That's right. Uh, that he is, you know, and so that that shift changed a lot in my life. Yeah, I say that oftentimes to young girls, too. And I know we're going to talk about that because you love to pour into young girls and let them bring their their questions and their doubts. Um, well, we'll get into your podcast in a bit, but <laughs> Um, even a talk that I'm doing this weekend on like, do you really believe that you're a daughter of God? And what I mean by that is it's not about your behavior. It's not like he's sitting at the table saying, when you mess up, I'm kicking you out. Mm -hmm. It's none of that. Once you've received the invitation, you're always welcome at the table. Do you really believe that? Because if you don't believe that, then we have an earning mentality that mm -hmm. am I good enough? Can I do enough to not lose God's love, to not mm -hmm. lose his favor, to make him do all the things that I want him to do? And yeah, it was a dramatic shift for me as well. I heard a pastor, Charles Price, one time he was sharing about that mentality that a lot of times we we struggle with of like some of us, we come to God like we're going to a coffee shop and we go in there and we say, I don't have the money to pay for this uh, with, to the barista. Would you please give me, you know, a cup of coffee <laughs> on the house? And she like ah, reluctantly gives us a cup of coffee. Yeah. And then a few days later, we come back and we go, I don't have the money again. And she's like, what are you doing here? You know, and <laughs> finally, after like half an hour, just to get out of there she gives you the cup of coffee you know and kicks you out and then a benefactor comes in mm. and says hey you know uh amber uh i sure love her and i know she needs that cup of coffee here's a million dollars she'll never run out uh right. you know of coffees and so the next day you go in not even realizing right and you say i need that cup of coffee and she says absolutely amber what would you like yeah. and uh forever and Charles Price, uh, his point of that, he goes, does God meet us there in that grace because of his love or his justice? Mm. It's his justice because mm. of his justice that we get to freely say, I come to you again, broken, and it's already paid for. Wow. Jesus has already paid for it. And God already, you know, 
that price has already been paid. And when I could start to, you know, embrace that of, wow, it has nothing to do with me. I, all I get to do is come with the need. And he says, it's been paid for. And because of my justice, it's not going to change because of my character. It's not going to change because of my love. It's not going to change, but I am a just God and it's been paid for. Right? Wow. Wow. It is powerful. Oh, mm-hmm. that's powerful. This episode is brought to you by the Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on the Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. Okay, well, like you said, you did get married. And you did have did. four children. I did. That's right. And you still have Praise those the four Lord. children. And I'm actually raising them. That's right. You didn't go off to the city and they just come no. and visit you on the no. weekend. That would have um, been ideal. Yeah. That's right. I love you, babies. Enough. And so at some point, your family, you decided that you were going to begin hosting exchange students. And that is such a huge part of your story. And so... What kind of brought that into your life? Because even with your questions and then hosting exchange students, you kind of ended up with the podcast, finding something real. So let's talk about exchange students. How did you end up deciding to host them? We started hosting them because I read a crazy book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. (laughs) I read this book and it was like, oh my gosh, he's saying the things that have been percolating in my heart for a long time. And Mm. the whole premise was, you know, if God is who he says he is, and our response is just to go to church and, you know, do the the Christian-y things, but not give him our entire life, Mm. uh, like we're missing it. And I just devoured that book at that time in my life. I just had our fourth kid. Um, So... (laughs) I was very postpartum. I don't know. Maybe I was playing with a full deck. I don't know. Um, I was also doing some women's women's ministry at the time, and so we started reading this book uh, together. But I, I just got convicted. I was like, you know, for so long I've been comparing um, my life with somebody else. You know, instead of just looking to God, comparison mm. is a big part of my story too. And I thought, you know, I just want to be all in for the Lord. And at the end of this book, for those of you who've read it, you know, he, <laughs> he has all these incredible stories of people doing incredible things for Jesus. And so I went to my husband, I'm like, Brian <laughs> and my husband, I like to say that we're like a heartbeat. Like I'm the up and down yeah. line and he's like the super <laughs> chill. And I said, Brian, um, listen, you know, I think that we should uh, move overseas and become missionaries (laughs) with our kids. And he's like, "Mm, let's pray about it. But I don't think so. I I really feel (laughs) called here. And then I'm like, I think we should move into a tiny home. And uh, (laughs) 
we can save a bunch of money and then we could do this or we could go on mission trips. Like I had all these big ideas. And my husband likes to say that hosting exchange students was the least crazy idea that we had <laughs> um, or that I had. But it, it's a funny story, but it's true. I went to a women's conference. And so I went to the ocean and I remember just sitting out there being like, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. I just want to be used for you. Just use me. And on that trip, I see a sign. I'm like looking, I'm like hungry, like, Lord, what do you, what do you got for me? And uh, I ended up sharing my faith with a guy, a French guy, which was, you know, looking back kind of, you know, foreshadowing. But then um, mm. I see a sign at a local coffee shop about hosting exchange students. And I thought, is that for me? I don't know. I'm thinking in like adoption and all these different things. Get home a couple of days later and um, I see this thing online that says, you know, would you like to host somebody in your home? And I was like, Brian, you know how we've been praying about this and talking? Like, what about this? Well, let's pray about it, Janelle. Maybe we could do that. Maybe we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> He's thinking, that's better. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, a couple of weeks late, a couple of weeks go by. I put it on the side, you know, with four kids, you're busy, you're running around. Our mm -hmm. kids were babies. Our youngest wasn't even a year old. And, uh, I sat down for a quiet time and I just remember feeling like this impression upon my heart, like, go, go see about that. Mm -hmm. As I call my husband at work, Hey babe, uh, you remember what we talked about? And so next thing you know, I'm on the phone with an, a coordinator. We're filling out this process. The girl whose advertisement I had seen, we decided, okay, we'll say yes to her. And meanwhile, I'm here's the truth. I'm thinking, God, why didn't you pick me to be a missionary? Why didn't you pick me to do on one of these bigger things? Like, oh wow, am I sure this isn't, this is really what you want me to do? Cause you didn't give me a bigger thing. Like your word says the orphan and the widow. I don't think that this would make Francis Chan's book. Like in my mind, you know, oh, like I'm Janelle. having those moments. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. That, that's really what it was like. <laughs> and then I'm also scared because my friends mm. are like, you're kind of crazy right now. Like you've got four kids, your youngest, yeah. your your husband is an administrator for the school district. Like you guys have a lot going on. Are you sure you want to do this? You know, we get connected with this young woman and we find out uh, that her country, uh, she's from the Netherlands. And we find out that it's one of the most secularized Western countries in the world. Mm. And what I didn't know then that I do now is that there are dozens of Western countries, especially in Europe, where young people are growing up with no Christian peers, with yeah. no Christian influence uh, that they know of whatsoever, um, except for maybe some religious classes that they take um, that basically inoculate them against Christianity mm. in school. And it was a mission opportunity in our own home. And so wow. we said, yes, uh, we've had quite a few ups and downs. I hope that story shares what a wonderful uh, servant of God I was. <laughs> Not, you know, like, I really have issues. And uh, we just said yes. And God has blessed it. How many exchange students have you had in your home now? Yeah, uh, we've had from the Netherlands. We have our daughter, Lika, who's in her 20s now. We had Ruby from Taiwan. We had uh, Lou from Italy. Over COVID, uh, we we didn't get to host her, but we became uh, connected with mm. Nora from Sweden. Uh, then we hosted Leonie from Germany last year. And this year, we have Sina from Denmark. And next wow. year, we're planning on hosting a young woman from France. So wow, six oh. that we've had in our home, seven total. That is so incredible. And it, I mean, from an outsider, it seems like you've stayed connected to them throughout the years, even when they've not, you know, when they've gone home. And that is, 
I think that's rare. So yes, I would say God is using you, Janelle, and your whole family, <laughs> right? Like your kids are going to grow up and probably have some some dysfunctional stories. Oh, I'm but sure. But also, my parents did this. They lived this out in front of us. And so tell me this. One of your favorite quotes is from David. Is it, is it Augsburger? Augsburger, yeah. Look at you. You can just roll it off your tongue. Oh, yeah. I don't know who that is. Should I know who that is? No, because I don't really know who he is either, but I looked him up just to make sure he wasn't heretical. I'm not sure. <laughs> David Augsburger, I'm so sorry if you're listening. <laughs> so what he says is being heard is so close to being loved that to the average person, they're basically indistinguishable. How has that quote influenced the way that you host exchange students who don't believe anything like you believe? Yeah, well, I think we're designed that way to listen and worship, mm -hmm. right? Like um, even to listen to God, we have to be quiet and still and hear him and hear mm -hmm. his voice. So listening, you know, I know people will say this as a cliche, like we have two ears. <laughs> um, but uh, I think meeting people where they're at is so important. I think it's so easy to try to front load the gospel. I, I had a guy on my podcast years ago who said that, Josh White from Portland, um, and it stuck with me, you know, that we try to give all these hoops for people to go through mm -hmm. before we get to, you know, the, the saving work of Jesus, when really it's the saving work of Jesus that changes us. And wow. it's uh, the love of Christ that compels us. And and so I think, I mean, this is just the truth. None of us are perfect. We're all broken yeah. people. Clearly, you know, I want to make it very clear that I am. <laughs> um, but a broken person surrendered to the Lord is a powerful person. Yeah. And so um, just giving that to God every day as much as we can and being like, okay, Lord, help us to hear this person, meet this young person where she's at to love her well, to mm -hmm. reflect you well. There's this beautiful song I was listening to on um, the way to school this morning with my kids, Multiplied, mul multiplied um, by, uh, I wanted to say Cademan's Call. It's not because I know you're the Cademan's. You oh, love Cademan's yes, Call. I love Cademan's. <laughs> it's Need to Breathe. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I've listened to it many times, but I never really listened to the words, but he's He's singing and he's like, um, your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. Man, that's what it's like when we live in surrender and freedom to the Lord. Mm. And he, I mean, this morning, Amber, I, I mean, I'm yelling at my kids, let's go, we got to get going, you know, everything else. And my exchange daughter, who's hilarious, and I just love her to death. You know, she's like, are you Okay. <laughs> Like, no, we got to go. And we're getting in the car and we just run in. And, you know, one of my kids is yelling at the other one, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know. This is typical. And um, she's looking at me and she's laughing and I'm kind of laughing. And I just said, we need to listen to music about Jesus. So I turn it on, you know, <laughs> and uh, she's just laughing. And we have this little routine where we listen to some sort of worship song and then we pray together. That's what it looks like. That's what mm. it looks like. And then it looks like conversations later that happen privately and then mm. the fruit of that becomes something like a podcast, which I know we'll talk about here in a second. Yeah. So. I mean, it's like I said earlier, I know I really have only observed from afar, but the way that I've seen you love these young women has been really incredible. But 
It's been something that has challenged me in all of the good ways as I have watched you develop this podcast, Finding Something Real, where you invite a girl who's just asking questions about God. It may be one of your exchange students. It may be just someone that you've met. And then you invite another person on who can speak to those questions. And so how did that begin stirring in your heart? After opening up our home, (laughs) God also, you know, put on my heart like, hey, I gave you some talents and you're not really using Mm. them. Um, That uh, parable of the, you know, the talents being buried, I'm sure you've talked about it here on your podcast before, Mm. really convicted me. And so the dreamer in me that used to love to write stories, I'm like, I need to start writing again. It was when Lika was living with us, our first exchange daughter. And I started, um, you know, doing some of that. And my goal was I want to share the love of Jesus Mm. with this young person and young person, young people like her who maybe don't know uh, him. I have this theory that the young woman in the back pew, the proverbial back pew, whether she grew up in church or she didn't, and she's sitting there wondering, where do I belong in all of this? It's the love of Jesus. It's believing that God actually loves her and he is who he says he is that changes everything, you know? And so I wanted to share that with her. I started writing and guess what? She didn't read it, but she would listen occasionally because I had like this little recording of my voice talking it out on my blog. And so through a series of, won't say unfortunate events, fortunate events, uh, the opportunity came very much in my face of, hey, here's an opportunity to start podcasting. So um, I launched my podcast in September 2019. My whole premise was this ish identity and impetus, the stuff that gets in the way of us, you know, coming to Jesus, the identity that we can have when we come to him and the way that we are moved into the world around us um, when we've experienced that kind of love and that identity. And um, I would have guests on just your typical podcast, you know, but guess what? These young women, they didn't really listen to them then necessarily. Mm. Right. But my heart was so longing for that in 2020. So a few months into podcasting, I was doing a series on clarity. Let's do clarity around the gospel because uh, it's Easter. And so I was (laughs) recording some episodes in March with some people who were going to talk about Jesus And it was the whole world comes crashing down, right? Mm -hmm. And Northern Italy, where our exchange daughter from Italy is from, uh, was experiencing COVID in a way that most of the world wasn't at that time. It was super, super strong. And uh, our daughter had to go back into the middle of that. They were sending Uh her home. Her whole exchange year, her her hopes and dreams for like prom and graduation, all of that cut short by three months. And she was Uh devastated. And she's agnostic. And I just said, hey, Lou, um, I've got an interview today with a guy who's going to talk about Jesus. I'd love for you to sit at the table with me and do this with Wow. So she sat down with me. It was a literal table at that point. And Amber, it felt like I was made for that, you know, Mm. like sitting there in that conversation, bringing someone that I love to the table, introducing them to someone who loves Jesus, who can speak to these questions that she might have. I just thought, oh my gosh, Lord, I want to do this with my life. Mm. And it reminded me um, later on the story of the man being lowered by his friends to Jesus. It's been a really special story in in my life. Um, You know, these friends were willing to go to great lengths to 
to lower their friend who was paralyzed to mm-hmm. Jesus. The room was too crowded. They, there was too much noise, right? So they have to figure out something creative because they knew one touch from Jesus could heal that man. Mm-hmm. And so that month, um, 2020, you can go back in my archives and listen. I had a different co-host every month who was a young woman who had questions about faith and wasn't sure she believed in Jesus. And it let me on fire. And long story short, I talked to my atheist friend who came on the podcast Tati from Germany, because I, I became a coordinator. I actually try to help people be crazy like us. And <laughs> it's such a mission opportunity. And uh, one of the young women that I was connected with, she's like, I'm not coming back on your podcast. And I said, why not? And she goes, well, I didn't feel prepared for that conversation because she was matched with an apologist who knew what he was doing when he was talking about uh, faith. And so anyway, after that, I started praying and saying, okay, every episode that starts off the month, we're going to have a young woman just share her, her story. I'm going to give her the space to ask her hard questions, no pushback. And then we'll invite people on to come and address those questions. How do you feel like it's gone? Like, how do you feel like it's really influenced um, your faith, your relationship with them, and maybe even their openness to Jesus? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, in the beginning, when we first started hosting, I don't know if you can tell, but I have control issues. (laughs) When we first started hosting, I was like, there is no way this young person's going to be in our home, be exposed to this love, this incredible Jesus, and not want to come to him. And so by the time I started doing the podcast with young women, God was gracious and I knew that the outcome belonged to him. I would be lying to say I don't desire that for them, desire that they would know, know God. But last year, um, I was co-hosting with my uh, exchange daughter from Germany, Leonie. And she, when we started the whole thing, she had lived in our home for a while. She had questions. Some of her questions were, you know, I grew up with people that don't believe at all. I only knew one person my whole life who did. I've never talked to my parents about this. You know, how can God even exist? And so she had some big questions like that. And, um, after, you know, talking to different Christian leaders and people that do this for a living or whatever, she finally comes to me and she goes, um, my conviction or my belief that God isn't real, it's not as strong anymore, but I realize I'm not ready to give my life to him. And for me, Amber, that has been a release because I feel that that is all I'm called to do is in in all of this is bring them to the table if they'll come. Mm Sometimes they don't even come and say, Hey, here's an opportunity. And what the wonderful thing is about podcasting is it's out there. That's right. right. And I think of each month that I get to have a co-host whose story gets shared and the questions are all curated by her and the things that she brings up. I think of it as a love letter to her that -hmm. she can come back to at any time in her life, because sometimes they're coming on the podcast because they care about me, not because they care about Jesus or because they're even interested Apathy is a real thing, but they know that there's something I had one girl tell me what you're up and like ungodly hours doing this podcast, you know, because we're talking to people overseas, like why something compels you to do that. She's like, I know that's, that's gotta be God. And so, you know, you never know what God's going to do as we plant seeds Mm -hmm. and we're just obedient to him. And so throughout this process to answer your question, it's been just a a daily walk and surrender of the outcome and just being like, okay, Lord, this is what I have to give today. Would you multiply it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I guess I just think about these young girls who Long before a lot of them ever came on the show, they did sit around your dinner table 
because I know a couple of people who have hosted exchange students and it's been really hard, um, even communication and just figuring out how to have relationship with them. Mm. Like, how do you feel like your family has really interacted with them? I mean, there's got to be some way about you. They feel welcome at the table. Mm. Do you know what I mean when I say that? I mean, it's hard for me to put in words. You know, I <laughs> I don't know what it is, except because of the rejection that I felt as a young person, mm. I know what it feels like to feel like you're on the outside looking in mm. and wanting someone to notice you and speak your language and just reach out and pull you in. And so that that is that listening thing, like, you know, and, and honestly, Amber, there's no perfection over here. I get yeah. annoyed half the time. Oh, yay. <laughs> we get our, our home back, you know, July is just us, but I'm, I'm selfish. I have, yeah. you know, like the same things, but at the beginning of the day, it's like, Lord, I don't have a lot of time here on earth. I mm -hmm. want my life to be those radiant diamonds. Yeah. I want your light to shine through this broken, messed up, self-centered. I'm going to probably scream at my kids kind of person who just wants you help me with my unbelief. Yeah. And would you help me walk forward in that and not be hung up? I think the enemy loves to attack us with like, oh, you screwed up. Now she's not going to become a Christian or whatever it is. Yeah. All of that's lies, right? Like it does, the responsibility doesn't land on us. Yeah. The responsibility we have is just to be obedient with the calling God has put on our hearts to radiate him to the world around us. And if that looks like, you know, dancing outside, listening to Cindy Lauper music, which sometimes it does, or whether it looks like picking somebody up at 10 o'clock begrudgingly because they forgot to get a ride or whatever, mm. we're going to do it. And we're going to pray and ask God for the parts that just feel really hard and the days when I'm talking to my husband about, I can't believe we're doing this, whatever. Um, yeah. We're going to surrender it and we're going to go, Lord, there's a lot of young people out there who don't know you. There's a lot of unreached people groups right in our, under our noses. And we may not be able to go overseas, but we can do this. We have the room, we have the ability, we have the passion, um, mm -hmm. break our heart for what breaks yours and help me see this young person through your eyes. That's, that's it. Yeah. Woo. Do you feel like your kids just totally buy into it and enjoy it? Or do they, do they end up starting to treat these um, girls who are in your home as their siblings? So they argue with them and fight with them just like they oh, would yeah. their own. Oh yeah. The, these are their sisters. And uh, you know, I they're not, it. it's not a project, right? Like that's right. we, we do have a mission and all the girls that come and live with us, eventually they figure out about Francis Chan and <laughs> <laughs> how that all happened. Um, like, why do you do this? But, um, you know, it's, we just want to love on you. And we, you know, the whole premise of exchange in the United States, I think it was Ronald Reagan who had this idea of like, hey, we're going to open up exchange because we know that when people come to the US and they experience the real thing versus their pre, you know, ideas of what it's like here, they're going to take what the real thing is and they're going to go back and they're going to tell people. It's mm. a matter of diplomacy. I feel the same way about, you know, sharing Jesus with these young mm. women, right? Like you've heard about, there's a lot of fake news out there about Jesus Christ. That's there's a right. lot of fake news out there. Lord, would you help me to just radiate the real thing even here? That's powerful. So tell me when you're talking about the show, I know that it's hard for you sometimes to get guests, right? And so yeah. what does that process look like, Janelle, for you? Because you're, you've been very faithful 
to continue on? Do you feel like this is something that God is continuing to say, you know, keep pressing on and I'll provide or, you know, what does that look like? Yes. <laughs> it is It is that surrender. When, uh, when I first yeah. started doing this and prepping for it, uh, it was in the winter of 2021 that we, we really launched into this format. My first major concern was, what if we have questions and we don't have the guests to answer them? Mm. What if we have a young person come and she doesn't have somebody who can speak to that issue? Because my, my philosophy as a Christian, and it's one that's no longer philosophy, it's something I've learned, is that there is no, and, and Corey Ten Boom says this, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Mm -hmm. And so there's no question, no issue, no identity crisis, no depression, no suicidal ideation, nothing that God's love cannot reach into and address. Mm -hmm. But uh, my podcast doesn't work unless I have people that can express some of that, right? Yeah. And so I reached out to an apologetics ministry that I had had some people on um, very early on, got connected with them. And then gradually, God has just increased that more and more. So now mm -hmm. that we, we don't worry so much about uh, getting guests, we have guests coming to us. But it's still something that I pray about, you know, right now I'm like, I've got a girl who's got some questions about the new age stuff. And I'm like, I, that can't just stay there. I got to find some people to speak to that. And that's a harder issue, you know, in some ways uh, than traditional, you know, it's got real kind of questions. And so I feel the weight of, I, I was an advocate. I, I got my degree in counseling and then I was an advocate for women in crisis for a number of years. Mm. I, I, I often feel like I'm their advocate. Like I get to carry this stuff that they, they give to me that I get mm -hmm. to go and, and try to find a match, so to speak, prayerfully. And then, you know, it's just that surrender piece. And to answer your question, yeah, every time I have wanted or even entertained the idea of quitting, it's like someone new comes to me <laughs> with more questions or, you know, last year I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be the last season. I have a parachurch ministry reach out to me and say, hey, you know, after they interviewed me, we want to come alongside you and help grow your ministry because we believe mm. in what you're doing. Mm. And so God has just been faithful. But I will tell you, it is like a slow drip sometimes, Amber. <laughs> it is like that slow Amen, IV drip. And I'm like, is the next trip going to come, Lord? Uh, <laughs> I, oh, ye of little faith. You know, that's me. I'm like, God, I can't do this. And sometimes I feel like I'm just carrying the weight. I was listening to a pastor the other day. He was talking about Elijah and how after Mount Carmel, he sees the most amazing thing, right? Then he runs away in like, you know, full like Holy Spirit glory or whatever. And he's like, God, I'm the only one left. I'm exhausted. You know, like he has a yeah. whole meltdown and God meets him where he's at. He doesn't rebuke him. He provides him rest. He provides him food. And then he tells him to get back on his feet and get going. And I, yeah. I think that God has been so, so gracious to me in this. Mm -hmm. And it has grown my faith of like, okay, Lord, um, I'm going to trust you yeah. because you've been faithful thus far. You'll be faith faithful tomorrow. That's right. Well, let's close with this. For anybody listening, if you haven't listened to Finding Something Real, do so. Um You'll, you'll be moved at the way that Janelle addresses these young people. And then she has just expert guests on that speak so tenderly to these questions and so powerfully. But with that said, I want to know what have been some of your favorite, I don't want to say guests, but just interactions because you talk about Josh White and you love him. And I know that, but some people are like, who the heck is that? And then someone you've no. introduced me to is Justin. Oh, I'll say his last name wrong. Briarly? Brindley. Briarly. 
Briarly. Briarly. I said mm-hmm. it right. Um, and I'm so grateful for just the the elementary way that he communicates truth. It's so captivating on Instagram. Like I'm like, kids, <laughs> come watch this, you know? Yeah. Um, so so share a few of those as we close out here. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, Josh White and Justin Briarly are a couple of my favorites <laughs> uh, for sure. Uh, Josh White, because of the way that he shares the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just real quick uh, on both of these guys. Josh White is a pastor in Portland, Oregon, covered in tattoos. Luis Palau said, you know, you look like, <laughs> I, I don't know, like a gangster or something, but like, you're really a good guy. <laughs> he, yeah. he does look like that. He's got a gold tooth in the front. Former rocker, came to Christ, I think when he was 28 years old. Awesome. Passionate about what Jesus can do. And every message he gives is always about the gospel. Um, which I just find so beautiful. And we've had some really great conversations where I've had young women who don't believe hearing him share that. One of my favorites was with a girl named Doc Marr from the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And then Justin Brierly, he really influenced my podcast because um, the first time I had him on was because my son, Caleb, he was, I think, 11 at the time. He loved listening to his podcast called Unbelievable. He hosted it, I mm-hmm. think, for 16 years. Um, he just recently stepped down. The archives are fantastic. And he would allow a Christian and a non-Christian to debate these bigger questions. And so my or my son asked me if I would invite him on. I'm thinking, yeah, right. But I invite him on and he comes. So and uh, it, was, it was so great. But our first conversation, I just asked him because I had read his book. He has this book called Unbelievable, Why I'm Still a Christian After 10 Years of Talking to Atheists. And it's a lot like mere Christianity for today. Anyway, I just asked him, you know, it's a big risk to give your platform up to somebody who has these big questions and and pokes questions into a Christian worldview. And he's like, well, yeah, but that's real life. And I don't mm-hmm. take myself that that seriously, I guess, because it can go either way. And I'm just yeah. presenting something. And so that first conversation, conversation with Justin Briarly um, really opened the door for me to consider doing the podcast the way I do it today. In fact, I had a mm-hmm. Christian woman who I love be like, are you sure you really want to do your podcast like this? Like it's risky. And I could go back to that conversation with Justin and be like, I think that this is really how I want to do it. Cause I think love takes the risk. So those two for sure. And then just recently I got just because it's in my, you know, forefront of my mind, um, I got to interview Jay Warner Wallace, cold case detective, and yeah. he's been on Dateline like six times. He is fascinating. Uh, my co-host didn't show up for that conversation, but I just loved it. So, uh, yeah. Oh, so fun. That would be great. Yeah, my kids have read Cold Case Christianity, the kids version. And I just love the work that you're doing. And um, if people want to connect with you, listen to the show, you know, all the things, uh, where can they find you? Just go to findingsomethingreal.com. All the links are on there. Uh, You'll get a prompt for a free resource. It's a bunch of questions that somebody might be asking about faith. It's a resource for you to have that conversation with them. Um, And it also signs you up for my email uh, list. And so I'd love for you to join if uh, you're listening. Well, thank you so much, Janelle, for sitting down with me today. Amber, thank you. This was great. All of the resources Janelle mentioned can be found in the show notes. And don't forget to visit graceenoughpodcast.com slash books to download the free resource, Eight Books That Were Influential in Ways That Surprised Me. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.